Welcome to the Mercy Commons podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that the Word of God encourages you and that the Holy Spirit empowers you. Um, So at Mercy Commons, we believe that the diet of preaching um, should come from elders. And we also believe that there are others that are gifted to preach and teach. And so from time to time, there'll be people that are not elders come and preach. And this is one of those times uh, where um, my wife is preaching. She's not, uh, there we go. That's my children. <laughs> she's not preaching because she's my wife. She's preaching because uh, in connection with the rest of the elders, we feel she has a gift. Um, it's also pretty cool that I get to take her home. But, um, but I just want to pray for her and um, she's going to uh, teach us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just come before you. We ask your spirit to open our hearts. Um, We understand that this is not an academic uh, exchange of ideas, that in order to be changed by what your word is saying to us, uh, we need your spirit to enable us to do that. Uh, And we say that we are open, uh, open our hearts, open our minds, use Karen in Jesus' name. Thank you, guys. It really is so delightful to be together with you. Um, And we're continuing in our James passage. Um, So we're going to read James chapter 3. We're going to read the whole of the chapter. I have two sets of glasses because I'm not quite sure what I'm doing up here. So just bear with me in terms of how we go. But for now, I need to actually see. So um, we're going to read James chapter 3. And I'm going to read from the New Living Translation just because sometimes we get familiar with Scripture. And if we hear it in a different translation, sometimes we just hear it with fresh ears. So let's read together um, the whole of the chapter. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for those who teach will be judged more strictly. Excellent. It's a way to start right there. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessings and cursings come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out both fresh and bitter water? Does a frig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfish ambition 
are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom that is from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Um, And it feels particularly weighty this morning because all of us sit with wounds and regrets around words that we have spoken or words that have been spoken over us. And my my prayer this morning is that we will be open to conviction, but not open to condemnation. My prayer this morning is that there will be healing and there will be forgiveness in the um, enabling of the Holy Spirit. So as we said, we're in our James series. And if you remember, James is writing to a group of believers. He's writing to people who profess faith, who claim a spirituality. And one of his main points is to spur these people on in their maturity, to have them outwork their faith, to to come along in their journey of perfection and in progress. And in chapter one, he gives us three um, true signs of spirituality. So if you are claiming to be a Christ follower, were. These should be evident in your life. And the first one is compassionate deeds of love. The second is controlling the tongue. And the third is remaining unstained from the world. In chapter two, we've already covered the compassionate deeds of love, where we're instructed to help those who are in need, to help those who have no way of repaying us, and to help those who are different to us. In chapter four, he will unpack remaining unstained by the world when he talks about um, selfishness and boasting and exploiting people. But right now in chapter three, we're going to deal with controlling the tongue. Um, And so it's, I mean, it's quite weighty that a whole section of our spirituality is given to the control of the tongue. And this morning, we're going to look at three things. We're going to look at what we need to do, why we need to do it, and how we need to do it. Sounds easy, right? Should be no problem. (laughs) So first thing, what do we need to do? Well, we need to control the tongue. What does that mean, control the tongue? Well, we bring it under our mastery. We tame it. We use it for good. That means that we are quick to hear and slow to speak. And let me just add in the world in which we live, when I'm talking about control of the tongue, I'm actually also really talking about control of your fingers because so much of our tongue comes out in our fingers um, at the moment. Um, So let's not get caught up in the age in which we live where there's kind of keyboard courage and carte blanche to just say what you want without giving due thought and attention to it. Typically, a person will speak between 10 and 20,000 words a day. And let's be honest, some of us are overachievers in in that category. But that's a lot of words. That's a lot of opportunity to mess up. Um, And so, you know, it's it's a significant thing that we're listening to. And before you introverts get all self-assured and sit back and think, well, you know, I'm okay because I'm probably under the 10,000, it is not just the verbal processors that are called to um, heed this instruction. All of us are called to tame our tongue. It just looks different for different people. Um, So with the tongue, we face the twin dangers of too much and too little. 
Um, I call them the spewers and the stuffers. I think those are the technical terms. Um, so that's, you know, we are all controlling something. It just works out differently. So to the spewers among us, um, how do you know if you're a spewer? Well, at Life Group, we had an interesting discussion on Wednesday where people said, I actually don't know what I think until I hear it coming out of my mouth. If you are that category of person, you're probably a spewer. And so that's fine. There is not one better than the other. It just means we're working with different parameters. But for the spewers, let me just say, remember what Proverbs 10:19 says. When words are many, sin is not absent but he who holds his tongue is wise. And the baseline is the less you speak, the less chance there is to sin. I mean, that's, that's just the reality. Just because you have a thought or an opinion doesn't mean you need to express it. Just because you feel better after venting doesn't mean those around you feel the same. Just because you're quick and clever with your tongue does not mean it needs to be displayed. Spewers need to be careful of reacting of retaliating and repeating. That's part of the discipline of your tongue. Spewers need to slow down, slow down and ask the Holy Spirit to help them to discern, is what I'm about to speak gracious and is it encouraging? Stuffers, I told you I was coming back to you. There's another proverb that you need to um, pay attention to, which is Proverbs 25:11, and it says, "A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Words are healing, words are helpful, words are necessary. We cannot spur one another on to love and good deeds without words. We cannot love the people around us well without words. Sometimes those words may need to be corrective and challenging, but it's out of love and spurring one another on. So stuffers need to control their tongue by being willing to speak up, by being willing to come alongside a brother and say, this thing right here, that's not in line with the gospel. Um, stuffers need to be careful of distancing, disengaging, and denying. Those are your kind of weaknesses. And staffers need to step out and ask the Holy Spirit to discern, is this helpful? Is this necessary? Will this benefit my brother in his maturing and his, his following after Christ? So that's what we need to do. Why do we need to do that? Well, because the tongue has immense power. We just have to look through all of Scripture, and we see the power inherent in words. Jesus is called the Word. He was there from the beginning. Words have always been. We see words at creation. God spoke everything we know into existence. We see words at the fall, where the serpent came and twisted and said, Did God really say we see words at our redemption. Jesus on the cross cries out, it is finished. And scripture tells us if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, we will be saved. We see it too in restoration at the end of time. When all things are being restored, a loud voice will declare in heaven, the dwelling place of God is with man. Words are inherently powerful. Scripture tells us death and life are in the power of the tongue. You probably don't need an illustration of how immensely powerful words are. Many of you will sit here with your own 
real tendernesses about the power of words. But I'm, as I've been thinking, I, this is the story that keeps coming up, so I'm just going to tell it to you. So my dad, is um, he's just delightful. But when he was a little kid, a little kid, and he went to school, he first started school, and the class had to stand up and sing something. The teacher said to him, oh, not so fast, Jim. You sit down over here. You know, this little guy. It's <laughs> like, you know, I am pretty sure that the teacher did not set out to be mean or um, to be destructive in any way. She was probably just scrambling and in a hurry. But 76 years later, those words still have an effect on a completely different generation. We cannot afford to be careless with our words, friends. It's like walking around with an open flame. You cannot have a moment where you are careless or where you stop paying attention. There's a Jewish scholar called Ben Serach. I'm not entirely sure of the pronunciation, but he says it like this, and I just thought he captured so much. He said, cure the gossips and the double-tongued, for they destroy the peace of many. Slander has shaken many and scattered them from nation to nation. It has destroyed strong cities and overturned the house of the great. Slander has driven virtuous women from their homes and deprived them of the fruit of their toil. Those who pay heed to slander will not find rest, nor will they settle down in peace. The blow of the whip raises a welt, but the blow of the tongue crushes the bones. Many have fallen by the edge of the sword, but not as many who have fallen because of the tongue. Happy is the one who is protected from it, who has not been exposed to its anger, who has not borne its yoke, and has not been bound with its fetters. For its yoke is a yoke of iron, and its fetters are fetters of bronze. There is inherent power in the words that we speak. James goes on and lists several images that talk about the great power of the tongue, despite its little size. So we look at a, a bit in a horse's mouth, a shiver, shiver on a rudder, <laughs> a rudder on a ship, a fire, a stain, an untamed beast, a restless evil, a deadly poison. Those are all really little things. It just takes one tiny little stain to destroy a complete outcome. Outfit. The tongue is really, really small, but really, really destructive. The tongue is not something that we can leave unattended. It either controls us or we control it. There is no neutrality as far as the tongue is, is concerned. So we do it because the tongue has immense power. We do it because it's an act of worship. In chapter 1, James says, If we do not bridle our tongue, our worship is empty. Quite a strong word. If we do not bridle our tongue, our worship is empty. Genuine and full worship involves bridling our tongue. And worship is also an act of warfare. We refuse to bow down to our culture, our preferences. We choose not to be conformed to the ways of the world around us. We choose different values of a different kingdom. We are engaging in warfare. We surrender to Christ's lordship and his scepter when we choose to bridle our tongue. Our words are also works. And this is one of the things James keeps calling us to, to works. Our words are works. They're works by which we can assess our own spiritual health, and they are a means by which we can put our faith into action. Works are, words are works. 
we also do it because it's part of becoming mature. It's the thing that James has been calling the, the people to the whole time. You've got to mature. You've got to become complete, perfect. It's a sign of health. It's the way of a disciple. Uh, maturing is what we need to do. Maturing, however, let me just say, does not make us more holy. It does not earn us a place in heaven, and it does not increase God's affection to us. Maturing does not do those three things. Those things God has done by himself, sovereignly, forever, independent of us. So if it doesn't do that, if maturing doesn't do that, well, why should we give ourselves to maturing? Well, because it's a requirement that's given to us repeatedly in Scripture. You hear it. Make every effort. Grow in grace. Build yourself up. Run the race. Go from milk to meat. Grace to grace. Strength to strength. Development is part of maturing as a Christian. Stationary is not an option. We're either progressing or we're drifting. So we do it because we are in, instructed in Scripture to do it. We also do it because it makes us a blessing to those around us. Mature people are a blessing to those around them. Um, you know, 2020 um, is the, the year that we, the one where we Zoomed, right? That's the year. We Zoomed everything. And I was recently in a kindergarten classroom subbing, and um, there were like four or five kids in class, and there were like 20 kids on Zoom, and it's... I tell you, I needed a production team. I had to turn this on before I turned this on, and this has to talk to this, and you can't do this one first, or it becomes the host, and we can't anger the host. You know, that's like sci-fi 101 right there. And so it's just this whole thing going, and uh, partway into my Zoom meeting, the mouse on my computer stops working. I have lost complete and utter control of a kindergarten Zoom they unmute themselves to burp, and I can do nothing about it. Thankfully, I was able to do the keyboard command to unmute myself, and then I just winged it and hoped to high heaven that they didn't figure out I had lost control. Um, none of you, not one of you were thinking, oh, it's fine. They're mature. They won't, you know, do anything. They're kindergartners. The sweat was running down my back. That was not a blessing because they were volatile in their immaturity. I did not know what was coming at me. And my question is, do people know what's coming at them when they are in your presence? Are you predictable? Are you stable? Do you feel like a shaded place to people? Are you mature and blessing? When we're mature, we are increasingly temperate. We're able to bear with one another. We're able to overlook, to forgive, to cover over, to make peace. We are generous in our outlook and our interpretation. We're not easily slighted. We're not easily offended. We're not governed by our passions. We're not lacking in self-control. Maturity is a blessing to those around us. And James says tongue control is actually the gateway to overall control because it's so hard to control the tongue that if you get that right, you're a long way down the road of controlling everything else. Let me just, this is completely free and an aside just over here. We're talking about the tongue today, but I'm just going to throw in here. Let's also choose to be mature in how we listen in how we hear. It's scripture says, be quick to how you hear. So we are doubly responsible to be magnanimous in how we speak and how we choose to hear. Our culture is one of outrage and offense and um, you know, getting riled up so, so quickly. 
Let's choose to be people that give each other the benefit of the doubt. Let's choose to be people who are not easily offended. That was for free. Um, why else do we do it? Well, it allows us to be fruitful, and that brings God glory. Maturity, a mature tree bears fruit. And scripture tells us in John 15, by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and you prove to be my disciples. Our bearing of fruit glorifies our father. The more we evidence our sonship, the more we display that we are children of God by how and what we say, the more we advance God's kingdom and the more honor and glory that we bring to him. Um, I'm sure by now some of you have noticed a slight accent, you know. <laughs> it's one of, the com one of the questions I face every single day. <laughs> and uh, it's so sweet. Little, little people will sometimes not know how to express it, and they'll say to me, Teacher, I like your voice. <laughs> and they're, they're so <laughs> sweet. But they, what they're saying is there's something different about how you're speaking. There's something different here. And my question to us this morning is, do we have an accent of a another kingdom? Do we sound a little bit like Jesus when people listen to how we speak? So those are the whys of what we need to do it. The hows are equally important and a little tiny bit harder. James is not, um, he doesn't give us a long list, but if we sit in the passage, we can pull out some of the whys. And the first one is we rely on God. How do we do this? We rely on God. James tells us we all stumble. No human being can tame the tongue. It is impossible for us to do this. We have to rely on God. Why can't we tame the tongue? Because a tongue issue is a heart issue. Scripture tells us that it's from the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. We can't fix our hearts, friends. We can't deal with what's inside of them. But we serve a God who creates in us a new heart. And out of the overflow of a new heart, our mouth will speak new things. We rely on God because the exceedingly great power that raised Jesus from the dead is inherently indwelling us. We have everything we need for life and godliness. We have to rely on God. The second thing that we do is we become wise. Scripture tells us we can seek after wisdom. We can be instructed by her. And then James tells us what godly wisdom looks like. Our world has a very clear idea of what is wise, what's going to get us ahead, what's going to make sure that we line up things for ourselves. That's not the kind of wisdom that we give ourselves to. We give ourselves to wisdom that is from above, that is pure. Wisdom from above is pure. It's unspotted. It's free from ulterior motives. It's peaceable. That means it does everything it can to maintain peace without compromise. It's gentle. It's not harsh or easily irritated. It's open to reason. It's not stubborn or inflexible. It's full of mercy and good fruits, which means it acts in compassion, even if the trouble someone is facing, they've brought on themselves. It's impartial. It's stable, consistent. It's not double-minded, and it's sincere. What you see is what you get. That is the kind of wisdom we pursue. That is the kind of wisdom we ask the Holy Spirit to give us when we decide what to say and how to say it. Then we sow in peace. 
Um, he talks at the end about peacemakers. We sow in peace. And peace is this wonderful word. It means to bind together, to set at one again, to turn toward each other despite differences, to be of one heart. So different to what we live in right now, where there's just fracture and rejection and cancel and stepping away from. Peacemakers bind and join what is frayed and broken. Peacemakers will bring people into right relationships with each other and to right relationship with God because we declare a gospel of peace authored by a God of peace. Peacemakers will end quarrels where they can and do all that they can to live at peace, but without compromising or avoiding. The values that we hold as the children of God will put us at odds with the values of this world. There will be people that will hate us and harass us and choose not to be at peace with us, but it should not be the case within us, friends. We have the same values. And then we love our brothers. That's how we do this. We love our brothers 18 times in this one little letter. James calls them brothers. This is our primary identity. We are family. And as brothers, we're called to love one another. Last week, Sean reminded us so beautifully that we are beloved brothers. We are loved by God. And because we are loved by God, we are called to love each other. As I kind of come to an end here, I just want to read Colossians 3 to us. Just, I'm going to read it slowly. Just listen to what Scripture is telling us about brothers and how we, how we should behave. It says here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you were indeed in called as one body. We are in Christ. Our first identity is not in our ethnicity, in our politics, in our culture, in our generation, in our gender. That is not our first identity. Our first identity is we are children of the living God. We are brothers and we are sisters. Therefore, we choose to do these things to one another. We choose to forgive we choose to love. Forgiveness prevents division and love binds together. It's so much easier to control how we speak about each other if we love each other and if we're holding nothing against each other. Um, I'm just going to pray and then we'll let the band just lead us in a song. Jesus, thank you that you are the mediator of a new covenant that unites God and man. Thank you that your blood speaks of mercy, a better and more gracious message than the blood of Abel, which cried out for vengeance. Jesus, thank you that we have been united with you and that everything we have, right living, right thinking, right relationships, comes from you. 
Thank you that you are our ultimate peacemaker. You brought us near. You made us right with God. And in you, all that is broken and dislocated gets fixed and put back together. Jesus, thank you that your love for us is willing, sacrificial, and redemptive. It does not depend on us. Thank you that we belong to you and you enable us to love one another as you have loved us. Help us, God. Help our words to be regulated, wise, peacemaking, and loving. Help us to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. We need you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Mercy Commons podcast. If you enjoyed today's content, please rate us and hit subscribe. And if you'd like to learn more about us, visit our website at mercycommons.church.